Hello and welcome to Woman to Woman podcast. I'm your host, Denise St. Lawrence, and I'm excited that you've decided to join me on this journey for women living their life of purpose and identifying who they are in God. So again, we have a wonderful guest with us on today. I'm excited to introduce her to you. And her name is Pauline McFarlane. Hello, Pauline, and welcome to Woman to Woman podcast. Hi, Denise. Thank you for having me. It's such a pleasure to be with you on this wonderful platform. Thank you. And welcome welcome to me and welcome to you as well. <laughs> Lovely to be in this space. Thank you. Absolutely. I'm such so a delighted. pleasure to have you. It's an honor to have you. So, Pauline, I'm going to talk a little bit about you and I'm going to ask you to introduce yourself as well. But from what I know about you and your bio as well, you are the CEO, the founder and CEO of McFarland's Associate Transformation and basically dealing with consulting and coaching and mentorship, correct? That's correct. Yes, yes, McFarland Associate. And my tagline is transformation through conversation, because my real belief is that stop being silent and opening and talking, just having those conversations, whether or not be in a, in a structured way, in a formal way, sharing is powerful. Yeah, having those conversations, and that's the sort of the core of the work that I do. Just having the space to be able to um, have those conversations that are really meaningful, and to be able to explore and go deeper as we would want to. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. You also, may I just add that you are your day-to-day job. You also serve in a capacity uh, catering to students in a university in terms of their well-being and mental. Uh, stabilities as well. You want to talk a little bit about that? Because I know you guys just had received a big award, right? <laughs> yes, we did. Yes, um, we recently was nominated and won the student-led teaching award. Um, and it was um, voted by students um, for the best um, support service within the university. Um, and we were up against this competition as we are usually each year. And we were delighted this year to have uh, uh, be nominated and to actually have won it. So the Student Wellbeing Service um, c- provides services for students that come to the university that may have mental health difficulties, um, they may have a disability, physical or invisible disabilities, and they may also have specific learning difficulties or just long-term medical health conditions. And coming to the university, they may have experienced challenges through their own various um, experiences. Um, their own education experiences. Coming to the university, um, to me, means that we have to give them their best, you know? We've got to do what we can to ensure that they can realise their potential. So the bulk, the work that we do is actually providing the counselling, the mental health support, and actually working to remove all the barriers that might prevent the student from achieving or be, just being engaging in their, in their studies you know, um, or even just being able to walk, be it, go around the um, campus um, estate, the facilities. It's about removing those barriers so that students can actually take part in fully um, in the life of the university and achieve their goals at the end. Beautiful. Wow. What a great job. Congratulations to you guys. I'm sure you, that's something that you well deserve. Absolutely. So, Thank and you. then the third thing I'd like to introduce you as is that you are 
of course, one of the 29 amazing women that are what we call ambassadors of hope as according to Claudine Reed, MBE. Uh, and you are also one of the 13 in the particular book, Navigating Life, Health, Grief, and Loss, which we know is now number one bestseller on Amazon. So you are indeed an international bestseller author. Congratulations to you. <laughs> What an amazing experience, I have to say. Something I've yes. never foreseen last year or, or whatever. It's just been an absolutely incredible journey um, with all the fantastic women that have taken part in this anthology. And to be amongst the pages of some of the greatest women that I've met, you know, met in this, in, on this journey, has just been such a great honour and like the biggest achievement for me. Fabulous. Yes, indeed. Indeed. I agree with you on that. It's just been an amazing journey. It was an amazing launch and to God be the glory for all he has done. So Absolutely. I want to talk to you a little bit about your story, your contribution to this awesome book. And you're actually featured um, chapter seven. I love seven. Seven yeah. is a number of completion. I was a little bit jealous, like why she got seven? <laughs> I have to say to you, Denise, seven is my number. And when I saw that I was on chapter seven, I said, God is working, <laughs> always working in the most always unexpected working. way. That is yeah. my number. I thought, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so your title was, your title is The Pain of Suspending Grief, Navigating Grief. And I'm going to ask you just to touch a little bit on that. What was that like? First of all, before we even get into that, just the idea, when the thought came about, hey, we're going to have an anthology, we're going to do this. What were you thinking? Did you feel like, okay, maybe I should be in this? Did you have hesitations? Like, wait a minute, that mean I have to share my story and be vulnerable? What was it like for you, that journey to even be a part of it, to consider it and to actually be a part of it? You know, I have to say that being... Um... Um, part of this anthology, honestly, it's, it's unimaginable. I didn't would have imagined it. Um, I've also been attending the Navigating Life um, Evolve platform on a weekly basis since I heard about it. And I heard about it last June. And I have not missed, well, I've not missed one Saturday. And I, it has helped me to sort of really think about my life in a different way huh? um, around shifting my mindset and actually really focusing on what my future, how I want my future to be, you know, um, what am I doing? What's my journey at the moment? And one of the things Claudine Reed said um, in one of the many um, sessions was about just say yes and then figure it out anyway. Yes. And that's the kind of um, mantra I took when the thought around the, the, the anthology came around. I just thought, you know, just going to say yes, and then I'll figure it out. Initially, when I heard about it, I was full of excitement. I thought, oh, my gosh, this is the opportunity I've been waiting for because I've always wanted to write. Um, I always feel I've got so much things I want to say and, and put in writing, no time, no real focus, and I just thought, I'm just going to go for it. I'm going to say yes and then see what happens. And then if I said yes, then the heart started to beat. You know, the, the, the anxiety started to kick in. Oh, my gosh, what am I doing? Should I be doing this? <laughs> Am I really want to share my story and be vulnerable? 
does anyone really want to hear my story? You know, so these are some of the questions that came to me. Is, is it going to be significant? Um, mm -hmm. Is it going to have an impact? Is it going to be relatable? Yeah, all the various fears and sort of anxieties bubbled up. But I've learned through my life that that's when I, I am able to stretch myself, you know, through life. I get the bubble, the excitement, the doubts and everything. And I think, yeah, I'm going to go for it. And that's where I've yeah. had my greatest growth yes. in all, all areas of my life, I have to say, you know. So it was the sort, those sorts of feelings. And I just thought, well, yep, I'm going to do it. And I know exactly what I want to write about. It was just like, yeah, I'm going to just get on with this. Um, so, yes, I was excited. I didn't know, you know how it would go. But I have to say, you know, Claudine, Kamel Daly and the Divine Flow publishing team, absolutely remarkable. Absolutely. Absolutely remarkable. Professional, uh, ordained, as you would say, gifted, absolutely. godly directed, absolutely. amazing team. Amazing. Yeah. Absolutely amazing And team. they made the they made that process so easy, you know, in terms of holding our hands and taking us through the various steps, the stages, the opportunity to ask questions, um, having the coaching, the group coaching sessions as well, and being able to talk with other authors and share, you know, maybe parts of our draft that we're thinking about and having those sorts of connections really encouraged me really made me feel, yes, I can do this. Yes. And, you know, I think some of the things that stay with me is the thing around, well, you know, it's the stories that we've lived, or the lives that we've lived, it's really not about us. Never. It's about actually, we're meant to be sharing this. You know, we, we didn't go through this for no reason. Um, we do need I to always be sharing. Say, yeah, I always say that. That's my favorite quote that I, I quote myself a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and that is, I strongly believe that there's therapeutic value in shared stories. So the important thing is knowing when to share, where to share, and what you share. Um, and always make sure that you're sharing from a place of healing for me personally, because my intent is never to bleed on others. You know, if you're sharing when you're not healed, you then bleed on others. And who benefits? So I've always just asked God to take me to that journey in space of healing, that when I'm ready to share is according to how he leads, that I'll be sharing from a better place and not a better place. So I'm excited. I'm excited. I celebrate with you as I'm also one of the authors there, of course. <laughs> I keep forgetting I keep forgetting this, but anyway, I celebrate you. <laughs> I celebrate you and I thank you for saying yes, because I've read your story and uh, I had to put the book down. Yes, a little bit. I made notes. I did my highlights, but I put it down. I cried my tears, you know, and then I wiped my face and then I came back and read the rest. Just mm. an empowering story. I, I love the transparency. I love, I love the language that you use, even just to describe the scene. Um, and I don't want to get too much into it. So I want to give you that chance. So I'm just going to ask you just, um, again, back to the title, navigating grief. And when we hear of that, we think of losses and we think most of the times only losses in the physical sense, right? Someone dying, but for you, your losses did not only include losing loved ones by death but also losing other areas in other areas of your life. Talk a little bit about yeah. that. Touch on the losses and what that meant to you and what they were as much as you can share. Yeah. Yes, of course. Yes. 
And as you say, it's, loss comes in different ways. Um, it's not just about the physical, as you said, you know, I, I lost my mother first, and then shortly, you know, within 18 months or so, uh, my father passed. And of course, my mom passing first, it was the first real experience, obviously, of someone extremely close to me, as in, you know, my blood in that sense. And it was devastating. You know, it was, I can't even begin to describe the enormity of the feeling I had. It's something that I've not felt since in anything else in terms of losses. But that really went to the core because it's the person that's, that's birthed me. It's gone. Yeah. yeah. You know, it puts you in a totally different space. Um, and then losing my father after that. And all of this in the background has been, was going on was a protracted um, a divorce, huh. um, and which lasted for way too long, you know, and many years and back wow. and forth as these things can happen. But so you can see how it can actually kind of chip away at you. You know, you're trying to hold it, I'm trying to hold it all together. Um, I've got children that are in school and in university and, you know, working their way through the various transitions of their education, trying to maintain a level of calm, stability, so that they're okay, while still trying to battle with um, the lo those losses. Um, and as a result of my parents um, passing, they were kind of like the glue that held us together. We were quite a large family of quite a number of siblings, and it just seemed as though we all kind of literally physically fell apart from each other. So that was a loss in itself because I've grown up with, you know, quite a few siblings and not having them in my space or being able to share and comfort and, you know, um, support each other through these significant losses was yet another loss for me. Yes. Wow. So I found myself in a space of, gosh, this is all so much. I really don't want to break down with all this. I'm just going to continue going on. You know, this has happened. That has happened. Okay. I'll just keep keep it moving. I'll just keep supporting everybody that needs support. Um, and I'll be great. I'll be good. I'm fine. You so know I what that actually, is? That's actually the, the syndrome that a lot of women go through. That's what yeah. you call the superwoman yeah. syndrome. So you're going to keep going. You're going to okay. keep pouring. You're going to keep navigating. Yeah. Just keep going. But when do you cry out? Exactly. You know, through all these painful separations and losses, I was screaming inside. You know, I was like, gosh, can't you all see that? I need help. You know, I need some support. I just need to have someone to talk to. One of you, you, you all know me. You know, I'm always there for you. And, you know, it's, it's my parents as much as your parents, and I'm supporting you, but I'm not getting anything back. I need support yeah. help. I was crying internally. You know, and I would make, you know, sometimes, you know, say, you know, a bit of how I'm feeling. And it's just kind of like you shut down because it wasn't serving others' needs, it seems. Yeah. Um, and I just said, well, okay, fair enough. I'll continue to um, pour my energy into supporting others, you know, seeing the pain of others as well, um, going through the losses. I kind of just neglected, certainly neglected myself. I think a lot of it was about also about the fear of just breaking down and not being able to recover as well if I was to break down do you know what would right. that look like for me so, so basically, just, just trying yeah. to survive so almost like a, as you <laughs> as you wrote in the in the book you say I realize now that this is also a defense mechanism by being yeah. so 
invested in supporting others, I was delaying and suspending the inevitable pain of grief. That right there, powerful. A lot of us can identify with that. I mean, I read that and I said, wow, this is when we, as women, we often pour out, pour out, pour out, and we get empty and there's, uh, who's filling me up? Um, okay. Yeah. Who's calling me? Oh, you show up at every funeral. You show up every baby's dedication. You show up at all the graduations and celebrations and it comes your day and you're sitting. Uh, did I send out the right time? Because it looks like everyone must have missed the timing or something. Yeah. Oh, did I give exactly. them the right venue? Did I give them, the, do yeah. I need to send out a pin location? Because obviously they forgot this day. And, and so yeah. when you wrote that, I thought that was so powerful that so many of us can identify with. And in your situation, it's not just being a woman, but being a, 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 a sibling, uh, being a, a wife, being everything that you're going through, a divorce, a mother, everything. It's like that superwoman, yeah. it's like, wait a minute. Denying yourself, wow. Yeah, totally. Yeah, just keep going, you know, managing you know, working in a stressful job, you know, sort of showing up for all, all that, you know, the children's different activities, um, you know, trying to meet all the demands on the job and totally losing myself in the whole thing. I became just the person that was there to um, support others and to be there for others and to be strong in all situations and to keep that smile on the face, that everything is okay. Don't worry about me, you know? Um, actually, I was just totally breaking down. Yes. Totally. Um, and it's as if no one could see that. Or I felt they just weren't interested. And I only came to that realization when I became unwell. Before you, you know, talk about... Well, talk, yeah. yeah. Before you talk I about... Well, I was, wow. Yeah. Wow. Before you talk about being unwell, I like what you just said. We're going to go back on that a little bit. You, you say that you were just, you keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it, right? And you, you wrote the same thing in the book. You said, I had to show, I, I'd shown up consistently, never missing a drop or a call, not even when I cry, when I was crying inside. And so that became like this outlet, finding your outlet was to find a space, a safe and quiet space because of the enormity of the grief that you mm. no longer contain flooding your soul. So you were doing and doing and doing, and it's now flooding your soul, which then now leads. So this delaying, as you said, of grief brought the now yes. diagnosis. Yes, yes. I mean, the only way I could get an outlet when it became too much, because like you said, we all need to be top top. You know, we all need to have that support to sort of be able to recharge, to be able to express the good, the bad, and the ugly so that it's out. And naturally, your body will find a way to do that. And the way oh. I found that was in the quiet times, you know, when everyone's gone to bed and it's quiet and I'm just thinking about the day, you know, just reflecting and, or something may have happened and I've had to hold it down all day. It will just come up, literally bubble up and it will just have to come out in tears and I would just sob and cry. Um, until I fell asleep, literally. Um, that was the only way my body could cope with, you know, what was going on for me at that time. 
But even so, even while you're doing that, your body itself is also going through other things, right? Going through other things because as you wrote there, he says, now, in fact, I literally, I was knocked, it knocked me off my feet and I no longer had a choice but to be still. What caused you to get that place of being still? Explain to us what happened then now. Yeah. Result of dealing with these grief, these delay of dealing with these grief and denial in itself and navigating Mm -hmm. to this point where now you receive such a diagnosis. Tell us a little bit about that with your health journey. Yes. So as I said, I just kept it moving, you know, kept things piling on top of the demands, meeting all the demands, never dropping a beat. And then suddenly I started to experience different pains in parts of my body, you know, and lower back suddenly come on, very chronic pain, never experienced it before. Doctors are saying, well, there's nothing going, you know, they can't really find anything, you know, take a few painkillers. Um, and after a few weeks, then that will just sort of like shoot to my neck and the back is all right. So then it's at my neck and I can't turn my neck. I wake up and suddenly I've got such this painful neck for weeks. I had to go and get, you know, sort of physio and, and that kind of thing. I'm like, what's going on? And then that would go. And then it shot to the bo- bottoms of my feet. Wow. Which was like, I couldn't walk. I was walking on the sides of my feet. Still keeping it going with all this pain. Um walking the sides of my feet to work, you know, I'm still keeping life going in a lot of pain. And then suddenly the body just went whoosh, pain all over in all my joints, all my muscles. I couldn't actually move out of bed. I was just stiff as a board, could not get out. It literally knocked me off my feet. Um, scary, painful, distressing. Still trying to think, I'm trying to minimize it, thinking, okay, this will go. No, it wouldn't, and it didn't, not at all. So it literally knocked me off my feet, and I had to obviously crawl to the doctor. In fact, I don't think I went to the doctor. I had to call because I couldn't get out of bed. It was that bad. It was just like, you're going to stay in bed now. You're not going anywhere. You're not going anywhere. Enough is enough. And this happened over a period of, uh, I would say, about a year. You know, the symptoms coming and going and my hair started to sort of thin out as well, started to not sleep, you know, I had insomnia and fatigue, you know, there were lots of um, physical and psychological um, elements to the symptoms that I had right. and I couldn't correlate it, didn't know what it was all about, but my body stopped. It got to a point where I wasn't taking attention, paying attention or taking heed. Um, and so that's what brought me to my knees. And I just stopped. The doctor sent me for tests, blood tests and so forth. But so in the end, um, I was referred to a rheumatologist who um, did lots of x-rays and tests and all sorts and diagnosed me as having polymyalgia rheumatica, PMR. Yeah. Never heard of it before. It's an auto- autoimmune condition. And um, they, there is no known reason why people get it. Um, it's usually predominantly in women over 50 that will get it, more women than men. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, um, yeah, it, um, it causes a lot of inflammation in the joints, in the muscles. And those were the pains that I was feeling, but, um, the inflammation in the joints. So, yes, having got the diagnosis, it's, 
as soon as he said that, I thought, do you know what? This is the price you're paying, Pauline, for mm. suspending the grief that you needed to yeah. actually experience and, and you know, express um, over the years. That's so what came was to my mind. Everything was bottled up, but yeah. the body yeah. was was sending messages, sending signals like, Pauline, we need pay to attention. slow down. Pauline, we need to pay attention. And, you know, yeah. you talk about how one area, so the pain starts in the back, then to the neck and so on and so on. And it's moving. It's saying, I'm here. This is what yeah. needs to happen. We're working through this, but you're not hearing until it actually literally, in a sense, knock you off your feet when you end up being bedridden. And even yeah. during this time, how did you still find faith or what was the journey like in this time? Because now you're on your back, you're laying down. Um, this is, you're a woman who always pour out. Is there anyone coming to pour in? What, did you experience loss again in this time? Was there another season of grief? It was a season of grief because I can only remember at the dark time, physically dark time, because it all kind of happened around the winter time. So a very short daylight. So it, I just remember that period as being dark. I don't remember opening the curtains. In fact, I couldn't get up to open curtains of a day. I wasn't going anywhere. I was just in bed. So it was a dark period for me, physically, and I think um, emotionally. Yeah. But I came to the realization that actually I'm here on my own. I've got no one attending to me. How could this be? You know, I've supported so many people over yeah. the years. And here I am. I couldn't even get myself a glass of water. You know, at this point, my children are out at university living in, uh, you know, in, in on campus and so forth. So they were physically aware, away, you know, studying and, and, and so forth. So I literally was in the home on my own. And I thought, my gosh, there's a lesson here. That's mm. what came to me. There's a lesson here. So I just spent that dark time thinking, well, what is this lesson? Come and on. I just watched and I observed. I just stayed still. No one came. Very few called. And if they did, it was really about themselves, even though they knew I was ill. <laughs> I think a lot of people listening to this can identify. Unfortunately, that's a time when it's 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 really sad. But you know, um, like you said, there's a lesson to be learned, and you allowed yourself to be still to learn that lesson. Yeah, yeah. I think for me in that period, anything that didn't ache was my brain. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I, I was still thinking and thinking a lot. And it was all churning around everything. I relived everything from, you know, the losses of my parents, what was going on with the siblings, what was going on with the acquaintances and the so-called friends. I was going through it all and I thought, actually, my bucket was totally depleted. And yet, the expectation was that I was, had enough to give. I thought, no. I just, you know, I spoke with God and I said, you know, if I... If you were to bless me for me to get a part of this, but then to be healed, I'm going to do things totally differently. I have Come to. On. Come because on. I realize that this hasn't worked. This has not worked, and I need to do something different. I need to do things on your terms, God, and I need to do things to, to help myself, to support myself as much as others. But it starts with me. There you go. About myself, yeah. 
that's the realization. That was the aha moment. That was the time when I said, you know what? Okay, I'm going to work with God on this now. I'm not going to try and as though I'm God and that I can help and support and comfort everyone. That's not my job. <laughs> my job is to let it go and let it yes. be. Yes. So wow. that's what I did. I stayed in that bed for as long as I needed. Didn't stress, didn't worry. I just thought, okay, I will, I will see what, what, what's going to happen with this now. What's going to be the next steps? What's going to be the next journey? So once I got the diagnosis, I didn't feel so anxious and so upset. I knew what it was. And it was a blessing to be just be still, not have anyone around me. And to be frank, I didn't want anybody else around me because I had nothing to give. Yeah, and also it, it made you realize how important it is to take care of you because if you exactly. deplete, how are you going to help anybody else anyway right so and now you learn boundaries and you know what expectations are and like you said you're doing it differently so even though you were in this pain this physical pain it allowed you it's like god had to force you to get to this place like hello, yeah. we need to talk, we need to address certain things, we need to reevaluate, we need to rethink, we need to unlearn, to learn again. And so, yeah. wow, I mean, when I read your story, I was just like, oh, did she, did she call me? Did she copy my life a little bit here? <laughs> you know, <laughs> definitely. So um, yeah. let me ask you this then, with all that, that you had to go through, with all that you experienced, the losses, the, 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 you know, your parents, um, a divorce, uh, siblings, the friends, associates, everything, the whole realization of you can't do it all by yourself. You're not superwoman. And this concept of the superwoman syndrome, where we need to appear as if we're strong in the midst of adversities. And there's nothing wrong with being vulnerable and say this right here hurt. This right here is too much. And then having to deal with this whole diagnosis of uh, PMR. Now, where do you see yourself? Where do you see um, what has come out of this? What has come out of your pain? How have you pivoted your pain to purpose? How have you put, what, what was birthed out of this? Before I talk about what was birthed out of it, I have to talk about what was birthed in me while I was lying down, while I was still, and it was the conversation with God. It yes. was not only about I've got to do it differently, but also about what will I do differently? And that was about just releasing and letting it go and trust. That's what really came out of, of it, trusting in God and just let it be, don't stress about it. And through the journey of healing, I came across, as I call them, angels. People would just pop up to support me. I actually began to get um, people showing up in my life that kind of, they, I don't think they were aware why they came to me, but they just came and they were just so open and, and, and overflowing with abundant support in the most unexpected places and ways and people. And I just kind of watched God working. I literally was watching, I was standing back and watching God working on my healing and my understanding and through that I was able to birth um, my company McFarlane and Associates because I came to the understanding that actually 
a lot of people kind of like talking, but not many people like to listen as well. And, co and conversations are so important to be able to have the space to hear, share, listen, talk, and empower each other, you know, and support and encourage. And that's what kind of came out of this journey of my pain was the continued passion still to be of service to people and to be of service to the organizations that I serve, because that's just who I am. That's part of my DNA. I cannot do anything else but to serve. That's my purpose. But I had to find a way of being able to do that that was going to be of real value, have impact, and won't actually drain me on a day-to-day -day basis, you know. And that actually put things in place to ensure that I was able to top up my emotional bucket and you know, make sure that I stayed at a level where I was happy and I was comfortable. And it was about things like setting boundaries, really self-care. And that's kind of one of the big lessons I learned, self-care first. Oh my goodness, Pauline, I love this conversation. I love having this conversation with you. Um, you know, just before we close, um, at the end, I usually ask my guests to uh, give us a call to action or one takeaway that you want the audience that are listening and watching to uh, walk away with after the end of our recording. But before we get into that, if I may just read the end of your chapter, I love it. It says, I give thanks for all the lessons I have learned through this challenging time in my life. I give thanks for all the opportunities to create, open my heart, see and let those who genuinely care for me. I give thanks for this valuable and life transforming lesson about the pain of suspended grief. That right there, it reminds me of Peter when, you know, I often say that we're females, but we're, we're the female Peters. And if we remember when, when Jesus spoke to Peter, he identified who his enemy would be. He says, the, the devil has desired to sift you as wheat, but I've prayed for you, right? So what was meant for evil for you, God helped you to navigate that through that journey. But here's a key thing that he said to Peter. He says, after you have gone through, go strengthen the brethren. And you have definitely taken up that mantle after you went through that journey, you went through the pain. Yes, you went through the physical pain and otherwise, but now look at what you're doing. You are now strengthening the brethren with your business that has been birthed, uh, being the founder and CEO of McFarland and Associates, you know, as you said, transformation through conversation, sharing that story, listening and caring. And so I thank you so much for what you are doing. I thank you for how you're impacting the lives of the, the children in the university as well. I thank you for those that you are coaching and mentoring. Thank you more importantly for saying yes to sharing your story. And because you said yes, and even in your laying state there in the bed, you said yes to God as well. And thank you so much for just opening up and trusting him because now look at the valuable lesson that you are now sharing that's changing so many lives. So thank you so much. Oh my goodness. I love our conversation. I love it. I love it. I love it. There's so much more that we can talk about. Honestly, so much yes. more. Oh my goodness, Pauline, you're a gem. And I must say you're looking so beautiful, darling. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much, so, Lisa. Thank you for your beautiful summary 
of you know uh, my my story, you know my you know, my my transition and you know that how I've navigated. You you put the words out so beautifully. Thank you so much. Thank you. So, question for you: What would be your call to action to those that are listening today, or what would you want them to take away from our conversation? I would want um, your audience to realize how valuable they are, each and every one of us, that we came here with a divine purpose and we are of value and we have to honor our divine purpose. You know, we have to think about um, our self-worth and do the work of self-care. That's a key thing for me. You know, we have the right to be able to have the space to be able to share as much as we we support and empower others, we need to have that and we need to create those spaces. And it might and it means for me, certainly, around making sure that you know who you have in your circle, you know, that you develop that circle of people that have your back, that really do genuinely care for you. Um, because as, you, as I've explained, I realized I didn't have that. And that is so important for having that sisterhood, that encouragement, that support. It's really, there's so many um, takeaways I have to say, Denise, I can't, it's not just one. You go ahead, you go ahead, you go ahead and flow. Let it flow out of you. Let it flow out of you. You've been, you've done that. Yes, I love it. Saying no. Yeah, saying no when there's things that that go against your value, that go against what you require at that moment in time. And the other key thing I've learned is about, you know, once I've had a conversation with someone, whether it be a work colleague, family member, friend, or an acquaintance, how did that conversation leave me feeling? How did I feel? Did I feel energized? Did I feel inspired? Did I learn something? Did I feel like, you know, I need to just go out and I could just take on the world right now? Or did I feel, oh my gosh, I need to lie down. I've got a headache. The energy is just drained out of my body. What do I do with this stuff that's just been landed on me? How do I now get rid of that stuff so that I'm not incorporating that into my being? Think about yes. how people are you feeling, you know? Um, that is so key because then you can actually help to set your boundaries. But, you know, you know what your spirit loves and needs and wants? So spend more time in those circles and you know, there's some people you can't actually lose because they may be family and friends, but limit the time that you spend in the, on the other side. That's sort of like a real key thing that I would say would be a takeaway. Just be mindful of the environment that you're in and the people that you've had around you, because sometimes we grow up and we just accept everyone for who they are because we've always known them. But how does that impact upon your health, your well-being, your um, reason for living, and how does that support the, the divine um, objective that you were sent here to achieve? Oh, beautiful. I love it. Thank you so much. Oh, my goodness. I love it. Let me tell you something. I think I have been now recently anointed with the gift of no. I can say it in many languages. No, I can say it with many tones. I can say it with attitude. I can say it with a beautiful smile. No, I can say it with my eyes. No, listen, I have been anointed with that because I realize 
you have to, I read this book called The Disease to Please before. And oftentimes we live this life of always trying to please others while depleting ourselves. So I'm glad you said that. Check our conversations, our environment, the, the soil that we're around, it makes a difference, right? It makes a difference to our growth and our potential. So checking those environments, just be mindful of the purpose while we're here and what is depleting that and what can help to promote that so that we can live a purposeful life. You could not have said it any better. So Pauline, if someone wants to reach in touch with you and get a copy of your book or to tap into your wonderful skills and your mentorship program and coaching and all the years experience that you have behind that as well, how would we reach in touch with you? Yes, I mean, um, um, can reach me on various platforms. I have a website, um, www.mcfarlandandassociates.com. I'm also on Instagram at lifecoach underscore Pauline. And you can also catch me on LinkedIn. That's Pauline McFarlane. I'm also on email, pauline-associates um, at hotmail.com. Wonderful. Thank you. So again, let me get that Instagram handle again, please, just in case they listen again. On Instagram, you are? Life coach, life coach underscore Pauline. Okay. So life coach underscore Pauline, but everything else is with the McFarlane. Okay. Just wanted to make sure, because I noticed there was a difference there. Like, like, wait, she didn't say that. Oh my goodness, Pauline, thank you so much. Congratulations on your award um, with your school, with the university. Congratulations on your business. Congratulations on being a part of the anthology. And I won't say the anthology, but number one bestseller on Amazon (laughs) anthology. And again, thank you for saying yes. And thank you for sharing your story. It definitely has changed my life. And I know it will change many others that will grab a copy of this book. So ladies and ladies, come on, you've got to get a copy of this book. Again, thank you for tuning in to Women to Women podcast. I'm your host, Denise Hinkson Lawrence. And our wonderful, wonderful guest today was Polly McFarland. So follow her on her website, her Instagram page, and everything that she has to offer and learn more about having that conversation. Transform your life through conversations. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in. Until next time, again, I'm your host, Denise Hinkson-Lawrence, and this is Woman, the number two woman podcast. Thank you, and God bless you.